On podcast 1866, the first Cybertruck rolls off the Texas production line. We talk V4 superchargers and the Cadillac Optic. Plus, we will have a look at how Europe's uh, car sales are going, how Genesis are selling their EVs, and the Bluebird electric buses, those stories, and a lot more coming up. Trying in new things, you know when to expect a show. We go live at 5 p.m. UK, midday Eastern. Patreon supporters get the episodes, though, as soon as they're ready and ad-free. Be like them by clicking on a link in the show notes. Welcome to a new Patreon executive producer. Your name is in the show notes every day. Roosevelt Watson. Thank you so much. Thank you for funding this podcast. Thank you for well, paying my wages, basically, because if I wasn't doing this, I'd be doing other work that I had to pay the bills with. And the Patreon supporters are amazing because they put this show on the air every single day for you. Thousands of people listening for free every day, and the Patreon gang put it on the air. Couldn't thank you enough. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening in the world. It's EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for Monday, 17th of July. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. The first Cybertruck has rolled off the production line over the weekend at the Gigafactory in Texas. Uh, Tesla shared an image of the all-electric pickup truck on their official Twitter account. Well, reports had surfaced that Tesla had instructed their suppliers to start to prepare for the release of Cybertruck prototypes sometime around late August or early September, with production slated to begin slowly in early October. As of January this year, there were approximately 1.7 million pre-orders for the Tesla Cybertruck, according to a crowdsourced reservation tracker. The Cybertruck's production has experienced several delays since the unveiling in 2019. Let me say it again. 2019. The CEO of Tesla, Elon Musk, said production would begin in 2021 with additional configurations in 2022. Well, here we are in 2023. Tesla hasn't updated the specifications or pricing for the Cybertruck since the prototype was launched in 2019. There is no chance that it'll be on sale for the prices, they said. Perhaps with the specs, they said. Perhaps the specs will be improved. Four years is an eternity in EV world, isn't it? Let's face it, things are moving on so quickly. And competition is on the scene with the Ford F-150 Lightning and the Silverado EV and the Rivian and the Hummer. Well, there's like four Hummers in the world, but still. They'll have to have made improvements so as not to have got left behind. In May, Elon Musk estimated that Tesla would sell up to half a million Cybertrucks per year once production was in full swing. The event marks a big milestone for Tesla and the Texas team as it signifies that the start of production of their fifth passenger car model, three and a half years after the Model Y began production in 2020, is imminent. During Q1 2023 earnings, Elon Musk stated that the first Cybertruck deliveries will take place in Q3 this year. Typical gala event they will have with the usual influencers, YouTubers, those podcasters who they can rely on to, you know, say all the right things. There'll be no, there never is any critical voices at that event. But hey, it's like you don't invite your enemies to your birthday party. So that's fine. It's all very much PR massaged at those those gala events, but they're meant to be, aren't they? Uh, those should be the first deliveries to staff normally, uh, or again, very early customers who, if they have a problem, are not the kind of people that are going to go online and talk about the problems. They'll be quietly fixed. Based on previous handover events, a small number will be handed over, and then the ramp will happen sometime in 2024. Link in the show notes to that story. 
Now, last week on the podcast, I was talking V3 and V4 Tesla superchargers. Now, the big V4s are taller, the cables are longer. They're still beautifully designed, by the way, as the Tesla superchargers always have been so elegantly designed. At the Goodwood Festival of Speed last week, they were showing off a V4 supercharger with a contactless bank card reader, or for your you know, Apple Pay and uh, GPay and stuff, and also a space for a display. Tesla DC fast chargers have always been for Tesla vehicles until recently, and therefore they didn't need any kind of authentication systems or payment systems or information systems on the charger. The supercharger simply supplied the power. Now, I know it was more than just doing a simple thing. I'm sure it was immensely complicated. I don't mean to do down the work of the supercharger team. But really, the superchargers supplied the power. The vehicles handled the rest. The handshake, the billing, the authentication, unlike third-party chargers, they have to do all of that on the charger side. Here in the UK, there is forthcoming government legislation that will put into law any EV charger that's open to the public, not just a closed network like Tesla used to be, but is is open, will be... uh, equipped to start a charge without having to download an app or register to be a member first. Therefore, the current way that Tesla do it with downloading the Tesla app, you put your bank bank card in, Apple Pay, that's what I do, and then you just say what number you're at. I'm at at the, you know, whatever it is, the the Tesla supercharger in so-and-so, I'm at 1A, and it just starts charging, and it builds you, and it's brilliant, but there's there's legislation coming in that will mean you haven't got to do that. you just got to tap your card on the front of the charger. So I was speculating last week, goodness, I hope this doesn't mean that Tesla will close down the third-party trial. There's only like a handful of sites here anyway in the UK that are, do, that are doing the third-party thing and pull out of the UK. Looks like they won't. Looks like the V4 superchargers will have card readers added so we can have them here. The first two V4 superchargers that I know of are the Netherlands and France. There's a third one coming in Lyon in France. Don't know how many stalls are that one. And the ones that are open so far haven't got the card readers. The payment terminal pictured on this V4 is the Pater Apollo. When I see that Pater logo, my heart sinks because it usually means... Oh no, what's going to happen here? Because if I use an app, it generally works. But if I try and use so many third-party chargers with touching my card, it's gone wrong so many times in the past. And it's probably not Pater's fault. Their hardware is probably, you know, a simple bank card authentication and a little display. It's probably to do with the integration of a ton of different systems. Their stuff might be pretty legit. But when I see a card reader on an EV charger, I'm like, oh, I hope this one works. And it doesn't always work. And I think the... Okay, so they've gone with that technology that we see. Like, if I do my shopping in, in in the supermarket and I come to pay, I don't think, oh, I wonder if the card reader will work. If I go and buy some diesel for my wife's old car, I, I wonder if the card reader will work. So why is it the only place in the world that my heart sinks when I have to get a bank card out is when I'm charging an electric vehicle? I've no idea. Why can't they just work? Well, I kind of know the answer because they're tying lots of systems together and everyone's writing their own little bit of software, and it all has to be integrated. Uh, so the Ionity chargers use the Pater stuff. That's pretty good on the Ionity. It always seems to work. Uh, I think they're a uh, Dutch company with a base in the US as well. I had a quick look at their website earlier today. Uh, their last blog post wishes everyone a happy Christmas 2018 and a happy New Year 2019. So uh, hopefully they are better at making card readers than updating their website. In Europe, Tesla has been using the CCS2 charging plugs on its new chargers, new cars for ages. And there's no need to use that magic dot connector that the US has. That's why the NAX connector won't come here. I've been speaking to people that are convinced the Tesla plug will dominate. It'll be a worldwide plug. 
It's not going to happen in, in Europe. There's, there's no need for it to happen in Europe. We all knew CCS2. It's different to CCS1. It works absolutely fine. There's a roadmap to get faster charging down the line with CCS2. There's also megawatt charging. It's fine. We don't need the next connector. The US did, and Canada did need the next connector. Uh, Non-Tesla EV drivers have until now been using the app, but it looks like you'll be able to use your bank card going forward. V4 superchargers, initially 350 kilowatts of power which is 100 kilowatts more than V3s, which top out at 250. But they are capable of doing more. Staying with Tesla, and they're launching a more affordable Model Y in South Korea. That'll be the rear-wheel drive car for about $45,000 equivalent. That does make it eligible for the government subsidies there. Delivery set for August and September. A Model Y sold in South Korea are made in China. A recent tweet by Tesla Korea announcing the sale showed those cars being made at Giga Shanghai. A new Tesla Model 3 is available in some parts of the US for very sensible money. Now, I was having a look at this over the weekend. I don't know what I should be looking for if I was looking at, you know, a a Camry or a Corolla or an Accord. So I was looking at Edmunds.com, and obviously I'm not in the US. So I was trying to get a sense of US pricing of those kind of cars that people would buy thinking they're cheaper than an electric car. But in so many places, well, take New Jersey, for instance. You get a Model 3 for 28 grand in New Jersey. There's the $7,500 federal tax credit. And yes, that means you have to pay at least that much money in federal taxes and under the income cap, etc., to claim that tax credit. But in New Jersey, you're $4,000 off an EV if it's below forty-five grand as part of their charge-up program, which was suspended earlier this year, but it came back on July 13th. Tesla is offering another $500 discount on cars with a referral code. And if you buy an inventory car, because there's the new refreshed Tesla Model 3 coming soon and people are convinced they're offloading old stock or at least the current current model. Some inventory cars are $3,000 off. It's a new car, but it's an inventory. They haven't sold it yet. Um, New Jersey has a sales tax exemption as well. So the state tax is zero. And so it's a $28,000 Model 3. And that is Camry money or Corolla money or Accord money. And New Jersey might be pretty good. Yeah, but if you look at, at California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Maine, Massachusetts, Vermont, so many places are doing incentives and subsidies that we need to dispel this myth that in some way EVs are wildly more expensive than their equivalent combustion cars and don't even start to talk about ongoing running costs. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about Rivian in Georgia. Uh, The Georgia Supreme Court has given a green light for Rivian to build an EV manufacturing plant east of Atlanta. The court declined to hear an appeal challenging the $5 billion project agreements with the state. Uh, The plant will create 7,500 direct jobs, and that's not including all the indirect jobs in supply chains and suppliers and things like that. The lawsuit filed by a group of local residents accused the state and the Development Authority of Bypassing Regulations and uh, development of the site began sometime last year, I think it was, about 2,000 acres they've got there. The judge saying, inadmissible obstruction, crack on Rivian. And that is great news. We've got another Rivian story coming next, by the way, if you stick around. Also, we'll talk about the Cadillac Optique, mm, or Optic. How am I meant to say that? Lyric, Celestic, Optic. Okay, optic, yep. And plug-in car sales for Europe are just going through the roof last month. Stick around, those stories are more on the way. 
Ooh, I should say, if you just sat through some adverts because you're listening to the free version. Firstly, thank you for that. Uh, but if you'd like to get the podcast ad-free, and the ads do pay a little bit towards the running costs of this show and pay my wages a little bit, it's really the Patreon supporters uh, that do the heavy lifting. And one of the benefits of Patreon, you get your podcast ad-free and your own exclusive RSS feed that you just uh, copy and paste into your podcast reader, and it strips out the ads. Now let's talk Rivian, an owner that had a, a bit of a shunt, a minor collision, uh, has a four. $42,000 repair bill. In Columbus, Ohio, in February, the driver had a minor accident. I think you'd call it a fender bender. And with the other driver's insurance offering about $1,600, compensation seemed reasonable. But the vehicle had to be taken to a Rivian authorised repair shop. And there, and we've had this with Teslas many times in the past, there, the insurance bill came to $42,000. They say the high cost was because of the way the truck is made and it uh, they need to strip it all the way down to the roof pillars and fix the uh, the metal. And there's so few... There's a scarcity of repair shops, really, that can fix vehicles like this. The Rivian certification programme, I think, is up to about 200, last time I checked, 200 repair shops in North America, and only three in Ohio. And so they've only got about 30-odd of their own service centres. And so what's this guy going to do? That's the bill. That's the bill to strip his truck back to the bare bones and fix what they say is bent. That is in. Sane. And we've had this with electric cars, typically with Tesla. That problem seems to have gone away a little bit. We've had it with others or with insurance companies that they get the bill. And insurance companies, are there's there's a lot of, um, I think it's called Category S. I think it's Category S vehicles. because They, they changed the lettering a little while ago here. Lots of Teslas are, are, are on Auto Trader are effectively insurance write-offs. There's nothing wrong with the vehicle, but the cost that the insurance company was given to repair it after a small accident was too big. So they write it off, and you see these cars going for really cheap money. But, of course, it's a previously written-off vehicle. But if you are satisfied the repairs were done to the right standards, you get a real bargain if you get a written-off vehicle. But there's nothing unsafe about those vehicles at all. All right, let's move on. And a leaked picture of the Cadillac Optic. That is, yeah, I want to say optique, but it's not. It's optic, isn't it? Yeah, Celestic, Lyric. Yeah, good, optic. Uh, Cadillac's upcoming entry-level crossover, the optic, has been leaked in China. It's a smaller version of the Lyric, unveiled later this year, but now we see pictures online in China for the first time. Going on sale in 2024 to compete with the Tesla Model Y, Xpeng G6, etc. Uh, this was an online picture from the Chinese Ministry of Industry and Information Technology, MIIT revealing the wheelbase of 2.9 metres, shorter than the Lyric, by the way. The Lyric starts currently at $52,000 after a recent $8,000 price reduction in China. Optic is start, expected to start around about 300000 yuan or $42,000. Will that car reach US shores? Maybe, but definitely China only to begin with. Whereas here in Europe, in May, I said last month, I lied, it wasn't last month in June, it was in May because the numbers take a while to come together. 253,000 plug-in electric vehicles were sold, 38% more than a year ago. Total of the market, 23%. Recent story I told you about the UK being 25% of the new car market being plug-ins. Well, here in Europe, the wider European market, uh, that's the Western European market, uh, that's 23% percent, which is huge. And nearly all of those, by the way, uh, are full BEVs, battery electric vehicles, plug-in hybrids, are much, much smaller. 
1.5%. So far this year, more than 1.1 million passenger plug-in electric cars registered in Europe, about 21% of the market. So it's actually, uh, it's aggressively expanding. We might get to 25% by the end of the year. Best-selling car in Europe so far this year, you guessed it, Tesla Model Y, followed by VW ID4. Now, what about the South Korean cars? Genesis, the luxury posh bit of Hyundai Motor Company, has seen an increase of their EVs. Their first all-electric model, the GV60. I love that car. I love an Ionic 5 and an EV6, but a GV60 is lovely. Too nice. Too nice! For me, with a uh, with a five year old, and, and who knows what may be coming around the corner. But still, I got one of the minute, and um, he manages to to smush any kind of milk based product, yogurt, cheese into any possible surface of my cars. I'm constantly cleaning my cars, so we can't have a nice car. I mean, we've got two beautiful cars, well, the MG and the and the Kona are great cars, but um, yeah, at the minute. He's a little monkey. But uh, they're also Genesis adding the G80, GV70 to their lineup as well. And Genesis expect, they say, to increase their all-electric car sales. Locally produced GV70 in the US actually doesn't get the federal tax credit because of the battery-related requirements that came into effect earlier this year in April. Now, let's talk school buses. And let, uh, let's talk school buses because if there's one place we need to clear up, it's our kids' lungs. And it's so funny, you know, when you see people driving along with a smoky diesel or a work van or something and you think they're probably thinking that none of those fumes are re-entering the cabin so much research on how much of the fumes from your own vehicle recirculate into the cabin because the exhaust might be at the back and you're spewing it into the car behind you in traffic so much re-enters it and so that means so much of the fumes from school buses re-enter school buses we are literally sending our kids to buses, on buses, to school, that kill them. Let's get them on electric buses. And Bluebird want to do that. Their next-gen Vision school buses have a battery capacity of 196 kilowatt-hours. That's 25% more than the previous ones. It's 135 miles on a single charge. They will charge at 80 kilowatts. That's not particularly fast charging for a 200-kilowatt-hour battery, but they don't need to DC fast charge that much. What they do need to do is have the ability to be bidirectional because school buses have a fixed route at a fixed time of day. And when they're not doing that... They're so good for selling energy and trading energy with the grid, and lots of schools are doing that. The new Bluebird buses are all equipped with V2G. The advanced school bus programs uh, are now better designed for cold weather climates than their predecessors with insulated batteries to limit any heat loss. They will can continue to build out their next-gen electric school buses, they say, at their Fort Valley um, manufacturing facility. And they recently celebrated the grand opening of their EV build-up centre, where they'll make 5,000 EV school buses a year. Yes, Bluebird! Yes, let's get every school bus electric. I love it. Now, let's go to India, where the Hyundai Creta, C-R-E-T-A, Creta? Is it Creta or Creta? EV prototype has been spotted driving with spy shots now revealing the interior of the vehicle with a big instrument, digital instrument cluster. Not the same as the combustion version of this car in India. Uh, the EV prototype is based on the standard Creta or Creta, an Indian car, and made by Hyundai. It'll compete with things like the new Maruti EV, the EVX, SUV in the Indian market. We don't talk about those cars too much, do we? 
Now, the UK's EV ownership, according to a new study, has a big gender imbalance, and this is a problem, and I don't entirely agree with it. The new poll conducted by an independent EV charging app found that uh, one in ten EV drivers were women. Now, this isn't buying the vehicles, but those who are driving the cars at the time. The study found that households with higher incomes are more likely to have an EV. A third of drivers reporting their household income over £81,000, which is very decent for a household income here. The survey also revealed that most EV owners tend to be married, 57%. 12% said they were single. The main reason to choose an EV, they said, was cheaper motoring costs. And despite home charging being cheaper, two in five said they regularly DC fast charge out of the home. But it's that first stat that I don't like, that one in ten people who responded to this survey were women. So is that is that a, a sample size issue? Is it that women weren't responding to this survey uh, is it genuinely true uh, that if you watch 10 evs drive by that one of the drivers will be women i don't see that anecdotally and uh, i'd like to dig more into that data in terms of physical sales data as well and uh, get some more hard numbers on that because if there is such a gender imbalance in ev drivers i see a lot in you know, the discussion forums and stuff tends to be men but if i go to solar forums or you know my home assistant you know, uh, home automation software. It's all nerds like me because, you know, my wife loves using this technology, but she's just too busy to be in a forum going, oh, I think you'll find that my solar system had a performance of X, Y, Z. But we'll wait and see. Okay, let's talk about a newcomer to the EV market. VinFast is struggling. In the last five months, they've sold checks notes 128. Well, that's not very good, is it? Uh, They've got some new vehicles coming soon uh, to add to their VF8 crossover. But January to May, yeah, less than 130. It's going to be very difficult for VinFast to sell vehicles in the US as a a brand that is unknown and offering lease deals and subscription. And it's just, it, it hasn't hit yet for VinFast. They've got some work to do. A couple of stories on batteries and the grid. Firstly, in California, Lancaster, California, a Grid storage solution is addressing two big renewable energy challenges, the lack of clean energy in the evening and the need for second life for EV batteries. The company is using EV batteries to store energy generated by solar during the day, which any of these batteries have 60 or 70% life left in them. It's fine, maybe not great for a car anymore, but perfectly good for grid storage. And then using that electricity when the sun goes down. Of course, in California, very sunny. This is perfect. B2U Storage Solutions is the company. Sourcing old batteries from Hondas and Nissans and maybe being replaced from newer cars, but under a lease agreement or something, or for whatever reason, and being refurbished and now supporting the grid in California. The city of Los Angeles is willing to pay the price to meet its ambitious renewable energy goals. Uh, The practice of using old EV batteries for energy storage isn't widespread, but there is big investment happening in certain places to make it happen. The problem is these old EV batteries that everyone thought, oh, they're going to last five minutes and and uh, they aren't going to be any good. They're all just lasting ages. And that's not to say that there hasn't been leaf leaves that have got hot in Arizona and the batteries are half their original life. That has happened. But generally speaking, EV batteries are lasting a lot more, far more resilient than the early doubters told us they would. And finally, as California increases its reliance on new and renewable energy like solar and, of course, wind there, there is a concern there may not be enough energy during certain seasons and times of the day to keep the lights on. However, this summer, the state is setting a major milestone in energy storage. California has the capacity to store 5,600 
megawatts of power using batteries. And that's enough for about 4 million homes. The growth of battery storage in California has been exponential in the last few years. In August, three years ago, PG&E alone had 6.5 megawatts of battery storage on the grid. Today, 1,200 megawatts of storage on the grids. There's so much battery storage now that the California Independent System operates and managers of the state's power grid has even changed their day-to-day monitoring procedures to track how much charge is left in California. I love that. It's what a great story to end on. Man, that makes me feel good and optimistic about the future. If California can do it and lead the way, there is hope for the rest of us. Thank you so much to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland, and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley's EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map, and lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance CV drivers need. Have a good and see tomorrow, and remember there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid. <laughs>